So I love this, this quote in the beginning, God, by B.J. Palmer from Palmer's Laura Life. And what I really like about it is it really makes me think about what I know is happening right now in Canada, right? So some of you guys might be, are you guys aware of what's happening in Canada in pediatrics, right? So it all started with Australia a few years ago uh, when they're investigating whether chiropractors should be adjusting kids uh, because a couple of chiropractors posted some videos of adjustments that were, um, that were normal, fine adjustments, but they looked odd from an outside-in perspective. Um, so Australia, uh, there was a rule in Australia that you can't adjust any child under age six, period, until they investigate it. Well, guess what they're doing in Canada now? Not to be outdone by their Australian counterparts, right? Now they're investigating kids 10 and under and should chiropractic be allowed uh, for kids 10 and under. And what they're doing is they're researching. They're researching this to see whether or not what we do is substantial enough and it is, has enough evidence based to determine whether or not we should be adjusting kids under 10. Now, if I just want you to think in perspective, right? So we may be, in the United States, I'm not sure what the Canadian stats are, but we may be in the United States who are adjusting 10% of the population which may be, if that's 300 million people, is 30 million people. How many of those do you think are kids getting adjusted in this country on a regular basis? Like 1% of that, you know, 2% of that population, right? So I have, let's just extrapolate and say, well, whatever's happening here is probably happening across the border there in Canada. So it's probably the same kind of thing. Maybe there's 1% of the children in Canada are being adjusted. But they are so hell-bent on finding out whether or not we should be able to be adjusting them. So here's what I'm, my take on this, right? My take on this is what's happened in Australia. So in Australia, they did an extensive study, and this is what they found. They found essentially that there's not enough research to say yes or no, whether it's good or bad, but they can't find that it's bad, right? And I'm hoping that that's what they find in Canada too. Right? Because honestly, do we have evidence-based research to prove almost anything that we do, except for maybe a little back pain research? Like honestly, do we have RCTs that prove chiropractic, that prove pediatric, that prove pregnancy? No, we have a lot of studies. There's a lot of great research out there. There's a lot of good stuff. But if you're looking at the way they all want to look at, which is the randomized control trials and, and all these big, huge million dollar studies that we just don't have in our profession, it's not going to look very good. So hopefully they're going to find the same thing that's happening in, that they kind of found in Australia, which is they're going to be tolerant of this, right? But why is this so important? Because here in the States, you guys are getting, like in every chiropractic school, there's some pediatric class. At Life, there are more pediatric classes than any other school in the world. Not just in the States, but in the world. We have more pediatric classes than any other place in the world. Plus the ICPA comes through here. So we are and EPIC, so we are totally like, enveloped in pediatrics here at Life University. We're a rare you know, place. Um, but most of the world does not have that. Right? If you go outside the 15 or so chiropractic schools here in this country, if you go into Canada, if you go into Japan, uh, England, Australia, unless it's, there's one school or two schools in England, a, a great school in Spain, there's a few schools in Australia, New Zealand, um, but most of them don't teach pediatrics at all or in a cursory glance. 
And to me, that's the thing that's got to change at some point, right? So if any of you guys go to these foreign countries after you graduate, right, try to become a force for change in the local chiropractic schools to get more pediatric stuff in there, you know? Because I know there's a few other schools outside the States that do this, like the Barcelona Chiropractic College does, and McTimony in Europe, in, the, in, in England does, and a few others, but most of them don't. And why not? Right, why not? Isn't that a major portion of what we do? Isn't it a major thing of what, like, if, if you think of what, even if you're not an official pediatric chiropractor, this is just a big part. Seeing kids is a big part of what we do. They have spines, just like we do. Why shouldn't they get adjusted, right? So I just want you to really think about that as we like, talk about the conversation about this. You know, and another thing I think about this when, when I look at this is, in the beginning, like, in the beginning is the kids, right? And if you want to build a kid-friendly practice, there's a couple of steps you have to take. One of the steps you have to take is you have to make sure when you are, when you are building out your practice, you're going to that practice, that it's safe, right? So what does that mean by having a safe office? Right, kid-friendly, which means that all the outlets are covered. So I spent all kinds of money getting all my outlets covered. And if I have power strips, they're all the power strips that have the little things that turn like this, right? Little, you know, those gizmos you can put into the power strips so that the kids are always safe, right? I walk around, like, you know, this is a nice rounded corner, but sometimes you'll see places that don't have rounded corners. You gotta have rounded corners everywhere. Everything that you, that, so you guys gotta go down on the hands and knees and crawl around and make sure that it's safe as possible. You gotta make sure all day long, if you ask any of my interns, they say, Dr. Rubin's always looking down in his office. Why? Because I'm looking for staples, I'm looking for pine needles, I'm looking for little pieces of paper or whatever, because I don't want a little kid who's on my floor picking it up, and I want my parents to know that I'm thinking about their kids. So all day long, I'm looking down like this and picking things up and picking things up, because I want my parents to know that this is a safe office, that I'm thinking about your kids, even if your kids aren't here yet. I'm thinking about your kids. Right? So we have, to, we have to think about them. We have to create an office that I think is right for them. Personally speaking, I think an open adjusting office is the best office if you're going to see a lot of kids. You have closed rooms, getting them in and out of, out of office, that ain't easy. And trust me, I did it. For the first 12 years of my practice, when I practiced in New Jersey, I had closed room offices. That was very challenging, getting kids corralled in and out of rooms. Much easier to have a big room, it's like, this side over here, you have a bunch of tables like this, and then the kids are playing, okay, hey, buddy, come over here. So it's not like going into a separate place and leaving the room, you're going into just another part of the room, right? You know, bring your toys with you. So I think you know, open adjusting is, for, for, uh, is just the way to go, especially if you have a family-based you know, practice. Um, I have friends of mine who have bought existing practices and they knock down walls. Right, so that they can create open adjusting, and I think that's it's like it's plus in terms of a like medical legal kind of thing, it's a great idea, right? Because everything's out in the open. Plus, one of my favorite things is is a great patient education tool, right? So a kid, a pregnant woman lies down yesterday, and a person next to me, says, I didn't know you adjust pregnant women. Yeah. You know, I'm adjusting a little baby right there out in the open, and, and I have parents watching like this, like, you can adjust babies? Yeah! Right? In closed rooms, they don't know what's going on. They have no clue. 
right? But if you have, but and then the conversations that happen, and patient, a patient's talking, about, yeah, I don't know what to do about, you know, uh, I try to, you know, my baby's always crying. Oh, well, maybe you should get rid of dairy. Yeah, that's what Dr. Ruben said. You really need it. And the two patients are lying face down, talking to each other, you know, and this is great so that they have this great communication. I've had patients who actually have made friendships in the office. They kept on meeting at the same time, and then they both have kids, and now they're both like hanging out outside the office, right? Because they've actually become friends in my office. My office is now the meeting place for a lot of people. Hey, let's meet at Dr. Ruben's, then we'll go to the park. You know, let's meet at Dr. Ruben's, then we'll go to Barnes and Noble. You know, we'll go to the homeschool expo. And people come to the office as a meeting place. Right? And families come to the office. I'll meet you at Dr. Rubens, then we'll go out to dinner. Right? So that, because it's a family atmosphere. Right? And to me, that's what I want to create when I have my name in my office is Ruben Family Chiropractic. And I don't call it family because it's me and my son and my wife or whatever. I call it family because I want families you know, to be under care. Right? And I want it to be like a, like a home. I want this, like kids who come into my practice, you know, they, they are my family. Right? Even though I have one child of my own, all of them, I call them my kids. These are my kids. Right? This is, those are all my kids. So when, that, that's why like, the responsibility I have for those children is it's like my little one. It's my son. It's my daughter. You know? Even though most of them probably are like little, little ones. And that's what really scares me about this whole thing from, with Canada. Is they're saying that they're thinking that we shouldn't adjust kids under age 10. That's like, and forget about the monetary thing, that's like a third of my, more than a third, it's probably half of my practice, right? I don't, like, you take away kids out of, out, of, out of chiropractic in a pediatric office, I don't know what we would do, you know? Because to me, that, like, I don't want to see the adults, honestly. I see the adults because they have kids, right? The adults aren't as fun, they, they don't draw pictures for you, they don't give you hugs, and they don't sing. I had this little girl, she came in the other day, she, I've been seeing her since she's like three years old. She's now close to 10. And she said, Doctor, I have a chiropractic song for you. And she, she, she's holding an activator like this, and she says, uh, my chiropractor is my friend, click, click. I love getting adjusted, click, click. I'm like, it is just hilarious. This is the kind of stuff that happens, right? When you, if you think about it, you go in the beginning, right? In the beginning, I want, so I want you, the, the way you create your office in the future, is now you make it, right? This is the beginning of your office. Your training here is the beginning of your office. And you think about what you want to see in your office and you design it in your head. You know, some of the most successful chiropractors that I know today are people who, as they're sitting and I'm talking or another professor is talking, they're designing their office in their heads. They're design what kind of patient do you want to have? What should my office look like? Where should my office be? Right? What kind of tables do I want in my practice? And they're making lists and they're drawing maps and they're drawing blueprints and plans of their office and they're drawing out their goals and how many people they want to see and what kind of people they want to attract and what's their marketing plans. And they're not waiting for a class to do this. Right? You don't have to wait for Dr. Kessel's marketing class to say, how am I going to, you know, business class, say, how am I going to do this? And then I'll do it because I have to do it. Right? Do it because you want it. This is your life. Right? You're spending $200,000. Don't you want to have a goal? Right? You're putting this much, four years, 200 grand. I suggest you have a goal. <laughs> I suggest you start thinking about what you're going to do when you're done. I have, I, you know, when I go to graduation every year, graduation banquet, and so many students are saying, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm like, really? Really? You're, you're like about to walk tomorrow and you don't know what to do? 
And what have you been, for four years? What have you been thinking about for four years? Right? Isn't it time now? Tenth quarter, isn't it time now to start saying, okay, so if I have a beginning, and that beginning is the day after I graduate, where am I going? Aside from your vacations you want to take, and, and you're going to go to Europe and backpack, whatever, that's great, 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 great. Everybody should do that, right? But I'm saying, okay, after, so you're done with your backpacking trip, and you spent a month and a half or so traipsing through Europe, fabulous, great trip, we're always remembering good pictures, Instagram is filled with your stuff, right? I see it. But then what? Right? If you don't plan, if, here's the thing, if you don't make a plan for your life, someone else will. Do you want someone else making a plan for your life? Not me, right? Right? What, my, the way I look at my life, my life has been planned, and I'm living the life that I plan. Right? I designed this. This is what I want. Right? I want to be teaching here. I want to be teaching for the ICPA. I want to have a pediatric practice. I want to be happily married. Right? Active, healthy, 55-year-old guy. That's what I want. But you've got to plan that out. This doesn't just happen. I watch people who think that life can just happen. They just kind of take steps and they get hit by the waves of life, and sometimes they don't get up, right? Sometimes they get knocked really far. Sometimes they get flung around, you know? It, that's not how it goes, right? If you wanna go somewhere, you better draw out yourself a map, right? There's three things you need with a map, right? You gotta know where you are, you gotta know where you wanna go, and then you gotta get the, how you're gonna get there. And that's what all these things are. That's what we're trying to talk to you guys about. Is, is in the beginning. What do you do in the beginning? You have to think about so many different layers. <clears throat> and expect the bumps in the road. There's, you're always going to get knocked down. You're always going to get blindsided just the way it is. <clears throat> but just keep on heading in the direction. Because what's your mission, right? My, your mission isn't to pay back your student loans. And your mission isn't just to graduate. That's not your mission. Right? That's just a step. You know? Your mission is to serve the people. Is to serve the masses in whatever way you want to. Whether it's kids or or adults or seniors or whatever in between, right? That's your mission. Your mission isn't to, who cares, $200,000, I'm telling you, you'll pay that back like I talked about last week, like this. That's nothing. That's chump change. It's nothing. I'm telling you. And you may not think that way if you came from where I came from. Come from total lack, right? Living in an apartment house, uh, in, in a one-bedroom apartment with me on the, on the pull-out couch. So I came from nothing. But I'm telling you that you have to change that mindset, right? Those mindsets have to change. And the way the mindsets change is, like we talked about last week, reading the books you need to read, going to the seminars you need to go to, studying the things you want to study and making a roadmap and thinking about what's your beginning? What's your beginning? Where are you starting? Right? And you're starting from nothing? No, you're not starting from nothing. You're starting from negative 200, right? That's where you're starting. So you've got to grow yourself up, right? But the way to, the way to get out of that hole is to pay those student loans off. And how do you pay the student loans off? It's really simple. Serve. That's how you pay them off. You serve a lot of people, you pay them off. It's that simple. It really isn't hard. Your student loans are nothing. Your student loans are your gift. They're a gift in. Right? They're your, they're, that's your beginning. Right? And, and just try as hard as you can to think about what do you want. And if you haven't started thinking about that yet, I ask you to really think about that. Right? I don't even care if you do it during class. Write down what you want. Think about what you want your practice to look like, what you want it to feel like, the people in there. Write it out. And, and, and keep on making iterations and iterations of it because that's how you're going to change things. Right? That's how you're going to change. Like, uh, you're going to change your stars. Does that, that, can you change your stars? You come from nothing. Right? How can I change my stars? 
You're going to change your stars by making a plan and following that plan and doing it over and over and over again, right? And then someday you're going to look back and say, Dr. Rubin was right. This was easy, right? You've been in practice 10 years. Your student loans have paid off. You have a great practice. You've got a house and a car. And you got everything you want. You're like, wow, this was so easy. But you've got to plan it out. It's not going to happen just by stumbling along.